Thank you for coming Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I am so excited to be here. In 2015, I founded the Queer Improv Show, Thank You for Coming Out, or TIFCO as we call it, and it is now one of the longest-running queer improv shows in New York City. During the show, our storytellers share their coming out stories, and then our improvisers bring them to life. Our podcast is a little different. We still have a storyteller share their stories, but instead of folks improvising, we talk about them. And this episode is a little different uh, because we are still recording during the COVID-19 pandemic while physically distancing, which means we are not in the studio together and our audio is uh, thanks to Zoom. And so the quality might be different than what you're used to, but we are all doing the best we can with what we have. And I'm super duper excited about our guest uh, with me here today. Dash Kwiatkowski, they, them, is an Asian-American non-binary stand-up comic, voice actor, and podcaster. They're the DM of your fourth favorite Dungeons & Dragons podcast, Lost in the Multiverse, the co-host of your first favorite free psychic advice podcast, Psychic Friends, and a super baby fledgling paranormal investigator. You might have seen them at any number of comedy festivals around this terrible country, but you also might not have, and you shouldn't feel bad about that. They have voiced a lot of silly nonsense on YouTube.com. And more than anything, they'd like to be Pokemon World Champion. Dash, welcome. Hey, hi. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, you know, I'm I'm in my home. I'm waiting uh, for any news of vaccination. And uh, that has been existence for a minute now. But other than that, peachy yeah where is home for you uh i'm in providence rhode island um i was based out of brooklyn for a long time and then i didn't like that no one was wearing masks so i got uh out of brooklyn and uh found my way to providence which i like very much your show i actually i'm remembering i think didn't we perform together didn't add a flame con wasn't there uh mm. I've at least shared the stage with your show. I don't know if you've performed personally on all of the FlameCon versions of it, but I've done a FlameCon set. It was weird because I had to do two sets and I did one early. And I think they were part of two different shows, but it was the same audience technically. So I had to do a different set for the second one, but I did one and then there was improv stuff. And I remember your show being on it. And then I had to go up later in a different part to the same audience, which was weird. Okay. Wow. Yes. Um, were you with? Did you perform with Queendom for what, as uh, one yes. of them? I did. I did one with Queendom, and then I did one with a different thing. I think I don't super remember. Mm, that checks out. I have what a notoriously terrible memory, but okay. it does sound vaguely familiar, and that checks <laughs> out. And I probably was performing, so that's great. All right. Well, <laughs> I we've love been, that. We've been stage buds. <laughs> I love that. Um, so which? So I also I am normally in Brooklyn, but right now I'm in Texas with my parents. Um, okay. which, but my experience was that people were wearing masks. So I'm, and I was, I'm in like East Williamsburg, Bushwick. What, what part were you in? I was in Bushwick Bedsty, and it might've just been like the neighborhood that I was in, but it mm. just felt like nobody was wearing masks. It felt like nobody was wearing masks and supermarkets were 
a nightmare and mm. I had a roommate who like was working at a Starbucks and like I think got COVID and then came and didn't tell any of us. It was a whole big thing. Oh my god! Uh, but yeah, no, it just it wasn't. It didn't feel ideal. I don't. I think just like I think just like being in such a densely populated city and especially being like, all right, well, if you want to go anywhere, you got to get on a train. Yeah. Uh, it just it felt it felt like time to dip. And now I'm in a place that is I think five times bigger. Then the place I was in, uh, instead of having five roommates, I just live with my partner and I'm paying literally the same thing I was paying in Brooklyn. So oh my gosh. we're doing all right. That's amazing. Why did, what was um why Providence? Um, so we were originally because their parents are up in Westchester. And so we went up, basically it was like super lucky. Not super lucky. So their their grandparents were stuck in Florida because like right when quarantine stuff hit, they were on like a vacation thing. So they were like, oh, you can't leave, basically. Mm -hmm. So they were stuck in Florida. And then one of their grandparents had a medical thing. And they're like, all right, well, we definitely can't leave now. So they were like stuck there. And their house was just no one was in their house in Westchester. So they were like, hey, if you're feeling cooped up in Brooklyn, why don't you just go stay in our house? Because no one's living there. And like in general, I don't think during COVID times, people should go move in with grandparents because, you know, parents is one thing, but grandparents are, you know, much more uh, at risk, but their grandparents, like their house was like straight up empty. So we went and we stayed in that house for a couple of months. And then when the grandparents came back, we went and stayed with their parents for a little bit. And we felt pretty good about like, you know, it's been months and none of us have really gone out into the world. So we're probably, it's probably a safe way to go to a parent's place um and then we were looking at some places up there and sort of in upstate and everything was really pricey and every city we'd go to is like oh sure, a lot a lot of a lot of american flags huh sure a lot of american flags just sort of up and i think just randomly one of their friends reached out just to like check in or something and started talking about providence and we we're like yeah we could check out providence so we drove down and looked at a couple places and like fell in love and we're like very happy with it that's amazing um, that you have found a place that feels good to be in. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you bring up the American flag thing as if it's a negative yeah. and like, oh, I, yeah. like, you know, but cause <laughs> like I, but and I'm in agreement with you, like yeah. on, on election day when, or not election day, but when we found out that Biden won mm-hmm. and we, and me and my friends, we saw American flags. We're like, is it ours again? <laughs> like, do we, is it, is it a symbol of like, um, like well Amer- even america now see but i was that's like, what i was gonna you know, say like, like even <laughs> even even outside of even outside i mean because people talk a lot about like the confederate flag is a symbol of evil super agree definitely yeah. hate it the other one is also bad though like <laughs> all the stuff <laughs> right. that's all the stuff that's been done in the name of this current flag that we've got yeah. is also you know just a whole lot of overthrowing governments and you know, staging coups and just a lot of, just a lot of bad, you know, all the slavery, just a bad, yeah, just a lot of white bad supremacy. <laughs> it, Both flags are bad as well. It's not, that's not to be like all flags, you know, it's not an all flag sort of thing. <laughs> right, I, just, right. <laughs> I just, it's, it's a wild thing where like, I struggle so hard with the concept of patriotism. And this is potentially like, this is potentially a me thing also because I remember being in college and people seemed to be very excited that like things were happening based on the college that we were in. And I was like, why we're not doing them. Like, I'm not, I am not the Cal bears, you know, I'm not, I, I don't 
have a personal issue with like our rival school or whatever. Um, so there's a version of tribalism I don't super get when it feels sort of like arbitrary and geographic. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I don't understand how anyone could be patriotic, all things considered about, you know, this bad country that we're in right now. Yeah. I think it's, I think it could be like a both and kind of situation where it's like, this is, this is, you know, our country has so many issues and it was built broken and we need to break it down and rebuild. But also I think there's something powerful about like community and like unity of like, this is like, let's, we have to do this together. Like if we're going to break it down and build it back up, we have to do it together and to find that maybe so maybe it's maybe we get a new flag. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think I think that's something I think that what you're talking about, I super agree with. I think it's sort of something that's very like rather than being American or anything, I just feel like that's a very like part of the human condition, right? Like all of the all of the cool things we're capable of or that people do in terms of community building or lifting each other up just feels like a very intrinsically human thing that a lot of people have sort of shut off in their own brains and hearts but i do feel like it's a very one of the sort of cool things about you know humanity or potential cool things that we have yeah absolutely um okay before we get too deep into this um i want to bring us back to why we're here which is (laughs) um we all have multiple coming out stories and so i am inviting you to share um one of your coming out stories or coming into yourself stories yeah um, I sort of have two. I sort of have two of them because there's the first when I was uh, 17 and I remember I was in theater, which in hindsight, you know, uh, I was in a theater group in college and I remember uh, a boy named Gene walked into group and I thought in my head, well, Gene looks really cute today. And then I had this like, like that's not normally how that one goes and that was like the first sort of whatever um i would say in terms of more recent coming out there's the like realizing that i was non-binary and coming out as non-binary um that one is sort of it happens in a couple of parts and one i was the first part is i was dating a person and i said something about being cisgendered and they were like oh no no and i was like what do you mean no and they're like no that's you're not that. And I was like, no, I, I am. I would, you know, I would know. And they're like, yeah, okay. And they, they just moved on. And I didn't think about it too much. I was like, oh, that's a funny, weird thing. I'm not going to worry about it too much. And then I skipped forward a couple of months and I was, I got a phone call from a friend of mine that I've known for 10 years. Um, and he's a teacher. And so he gave me a call and he was like, Hey, um, I'm looking for, some gender neutral ways to address my classroom uh, because you know I, I don't want to say like ladies and gentlemen that feels like uh, it's not inclusive and so on uh, and I was like sure and we talked about it for a while and then at the end of that call I was like hey why'd you ask me I was like I'm not why and he <laughs> and he was like I don't know what your whole deal is and it was those two things that um I would say gave me the space to Uh, I guess to realize that a lot of what I sort of defined as maleness or things that I had existed in 
were expectations both from me and from society and from everyone that I knew. And I think having these two people, one of them I was dating who I'd only known for a very short amount of time and one of them who I've known for, you know, a decade, both of these people say like, uh, <laughs> like you don't, you like, Hey, you don't have to be this thing that everyone has said, said that you are. Um, it gave me, I guess the space to, wonder if I had to be that thing on my own terms. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, you know, I, I was, I was in the space where I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take some time at the very least. And I called, you know, I called some of my friends who are non-binary um, and I called some of my friends who are like binary trans people. And I was like, Hey, let's talk about if it's okay with you. I'd love to hear like what you what you thought and like what what helped you get to this point where you decide like I am something or I'm not something and it was a lot of I mean a lot of the advice I'm sure everyone who's had a similar coming out experience gets which is like you know like look inside and and sort of examine examine what all that means to you uh the fun one they're all fun the sort of the funny one is that I had always I as for for as long as I can remember I had been someone who people who were not attracted to men traditionally or by whatever their identity would say like I'm not into guys but I'm into you for some reason uh, and I was always like oh that's just a fun thing about me and I had ideed as pansexual for a long time so I was like cool that usually goes over and that's usually great sort of regardless of which side of the whatever that person is coming from. Um, and I think I put together all of these, all of these things, um, that were external. And I was like, okay, well, there's a lot of external forces right now saying, you know, you have at least the space to consider. And I went to the internal and I started thinking about it. And I'm a person, uh, for whom depression has always been like a big thing. Um, both in, you know, some serious, like serious moments of deeper depression and also just sort of an ever present low level, like, white noise in the background depression that had never uh, left. And I think the minute when I sort of gave myself the space to be like, okay, I can be something else. I don't have to be a thing just because everyone thinks that, you know, I am a thing that sort of low level depression, like lifted almost immediately. And it was like this, like weight, Hmm. complete weight off. And it's really interesting because I look back and if you would have asked me beforehand, like, Hey, are you experiencing dysphoria? I would have said, no, I am not. That's not, I'm just depressed. And then when I think about how sort of immediately that depression lifted and it's something that obviously, you know, that's not to say I've never dealt with depression since, but the sort of the static in your ear, that's always sort of there. Um, did lift and hasn't been back. And so I have to say that, yeah, in hindsight, yeah, I think it was a a dysphoria that I was experiencing or at least dysphoria related um, depression. And so I I think that's the thing that I sort of, I I always tell people when they ask me, I've had, you know how it is. People say like, Hey, I'm thinking about gender stuff. What does that mean? And I tell people like, all right, well, there's, you can take this path of considering your gender and there's sort of two places you can land on. And one is, okay, I am, you know, as my partner says, gender interesting and I've landed there and I feel good about it. Or you can land and say, all right, well, I've landed on being the thing that I was assigned at birth. 
Um, and either one is like really good and valuable because on the one hand, maybe you discover something about yourself that's new, that'll open your eyes and it'll sort of change how you live your life. And on the other hand, you discover what the sort of gender that you had maybe taken for granted actually is. And it lets you start to sort of like pick apart societal gender roles and figure out like, what about gender, you know, what about this gender uh, does work for you and what doesn't and so on. So I, you know, I, I think for me, I, I, I always sort of encourage people like, think about it. It's never, it just doesn't hurt anybody. Like it's, it doesn't hurt anybody. And also it's free. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's free to do. And I recommend it. And like, even cis people benefit from it. Um, so yeah, I would say it's sort of a lot, it's a drawn out thing over a couple of months where I think I just, I had to be almost given that permission from a couple of other people to be like, Hey, you don't have to be a thing. <laughs> you can, you can actually scope out and think about what you actually are. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, you brought up <clears throat> a lot of really good points here. Um, okay, I think I want to work backwards of this idea of permission. Um, yeah, totally. And uh, so many, so many of these, like, thank you for coming out conversations I've had and conversations that I've had just in my work in general is about this idea of permission and consent, whether it's like yeah. for yourself of like even giving yourself the permission, like you said, like, just think about it. Like even give, like, I'm thinking about for me, Yeah, I wouldn't even give myself the permission to think about it because it felt too big and too scary to even think totally. about. So there's like the kind of that internal permission or consent and then the consent from other people, like your friend of a decade or your partner for a, a you know, for whenever that was. And oh, um, yeah. um, and I feel, I feel like we get those, those nuggets of permission too, like from media and from just like the world around us. Um, so when, in thinking back, like besides the, the kind of giving yourself permission and your, the two people that you mentioned, can you think back of, um, kind of like hindsight is 2020 sure, moments yeah. of like any media or maybe other comics or other kind of almost like the ring of keys moment of like, um, where you like saw yourself in someone else for the first time. You know, it's interesting because I've been thinking about that because you, you had asked me about the ring of keys stuff and I, I can't really think of a specific ring of keys moment in terms of, in terms of seeing something that felt like myself. And this sort of gets to a lot of stuff about representation that I actually think is, is really important to think about. Actually, I just wrote a, I wrote a piece for, there's a podcast called kicking and screaming. They do horror movies and martial arts movies and they're starting a digital zine, but I wrote a piece about um, how Asian like sexuality is portrayed in media and specifically how Asian masculinity is portrayed in media. And it's, it's a whole thing that we could spend hours talking about, but what I, what I want to get at though, is that I, Asian, uh, Asian characters are portrayed so infrequently, just in general. And this is changing slightly more recently, but not, not really, <laughs> not in a, not in a tremendous way. But then when you sort of, when you narrow that down and you say, okay, well, how about Asian queerness? How is Asian queerness portrayed? Like now we've gotten even more minuscule and then specifically like how are Asian trans people portrayed? And it's, you know, um, it's, it's very uh, infrequent is the word that I would use. And so, no, I don't, 
I don't really have a, a ring of keys moment in terms of like seeing anyone in, in media or even people that I've met in my life who are um, any semblance of sort of what I sort of imagine myself to be or what I would like to be at the very least. And I think about, I, you know, I think a lot about uh, um, even in terms of like presentation and I, I still looks, so I just, I dress like I've always dressed because that's, uh, one, practically speaking, what works with my body type and two, just what I'm comfortable in. Um, and I've thought about like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to dress like, you know, whatever that's supposed to is. And I think part of that is we don't really have, you know, we don't have a lot of like role models in terms of trans rep, uh, queer rep in terms of, you know, mainstream society and, and uh, what it means to be Asian American. Um, so no, I, I don't super have that. And I will say the thing that I benefit from though, is that I've spent the last, I'm um, eight or nine years sober and I've spent those eight or nine years um, trying not to be a pile of shit, uh, which is a lot of work. Um, but one of the, one of the things that I've had to do over the course of that, you know, that amount of time is I've had to get really good at sort of breaking down and dissecting myself and how I interact with the world and how I interact with the people around me and sort of how I interact with my own thoughts. And I think that one of the things that makes sort of this journey of exploration, this sort of like I'm figuring out what that, what that presentation is to me, like what my sort of idealized self, that sort of that ring of keys version of myself, it has to come basically it has to come from like the inside of it. it has to come from me. I have to sort of construct that. And I feel able to construct that though, based on the sort of the, the, the thinking and the sort of self-analysis and the growth that I've had to do as I try to, you know, try to be a person that I'd like to be proud of. I rambled a lot there. Sorry. No, that was great. You said a lot of really important things that I'm glad you brought up. Um, I'm curious, um, well, first of all, the just like thinking about represent, representation in general and that um, just like they're, how they're so, there's like, like in just, uh, just to reiterate what you said, like they're so already infrequent um, yeah. representation. And then when you are thinking about Asian people, it's even, even less. And so, um, and that is tough because it, it does, you know, create a barrier, um, even just like, and then like zooming back out of, um, non-binary gender queer people of like, there's like three people <laughs> in shows, yeah. like maybe, uh-huh. maybe five. I don't know. I don't know them all, but, um, <laughs> and I think too, it's like, there's people are con- like the, the majority of people are like, but you don't look non-binary or you don't look totally. like androgynous as if that's the sure. only way to be. None of us look like Tilda Swinton. And that's just something that we all have to deal with, I think. <laughs> right. Um, totally. And I think that, I mean, for me, that was part of, so I started testosterone in July. And I think like, as a genderqueer person, I really struggled with still feeling dysphoria around my my body and the way that I showed up in the world but being like but can I be on t but not a binary trans person totally what is what can I do and then it like similar to what you just said of like 
It had to come from within. Like I had to figure out for myself, I can do whatever I want to affirm who I am. And if that means being on T and still being a genderqueer person, but having a more, what society deems more masculine presentation, then that's what it is. And that's just one way of being genderqueer and the infinite ways of being genderqueer or non Absolutely. And I think it's so important, especially, and I feel like, you know, there aren't a ton of, you know, I feel like you don't see as much as there could be in terms of some of the like transmed Truscom stuff um, in our community. But like, I think in terms of those few people existing, I think it's so important to really reiterate that like transness doesn't have a specific thing that it is necessarily like transness is not uh, one thing that you can put in a box and say like, this is what transness is. It's, you know, it has to be, it has to be variable it has to be able to shift and sort of accommodate um, any of us and what sort of we are and how we're going to present. Yeah. And I think um, I I love that you brought it in the metaphor of the box of like transits can't fit in this box, just like being Mm -hmm. a boy can't fit in a box and being a girl can't fit in a box because there's not one right way to be either of those genders. So what makes us think that it's the same for trans people or, you know, for trans people, non-binary people. And this is something that I was, I was just talking to a cisgendered friend of mine who had uh, reached out and was like, I have questions, but I I don't know if they're like, I don't know if they're like messed up questions. And I was like, they probably are, but let's hear, we can talk about them (laughs) privately and hopefully I can explain some things to you. Yeah. And she was curious about the way that some people present and like, and she was couching it like, well, you know, no one owes anyone any sort of presentation, but uh, doesn't, you know, this person doesn't look a certain way or this person doesn't look whatever. And the thing that I had to explain to this friend is like that line of thinking doesn't just hurt. It doesn't just hurt non-binary people, the idea of like looking a gender, but it also, and it doesn't just hurt binary trans people either. Like there are binary trans people who are spending time and resources transitioning and this idea that you can look a certain way is going to haunt uh, is going to haunt binary trans people who are working on the transition because to them in their eyes regardless of how much uh, uh, they look or are perceived by society they'll always be able to see things in themselves that they don't like or that they don't present in a certain way like it, it this idea that there is there is a way to look a gender I think is damaging to people who will pursue that but not even just that like it's damaging to cisgendered people too because there are cisgendered people who don't look whatever society deems their gender is supposed to look like either like it's gender it's genuinely bad for everyone across the board this idea that a gender can look a certain way mm-hmm. um and i think it's really important that you know we at the very least you know introduce that into the topic of discussion that like I don't know. The, the the main thing that I always, that I always, and this takes, you know, generations to fix, but I always say like the biggest way that society becomes more trans inclusive is, is just to, to teach kids not to gender strangers. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's the big one. And I think that's sort of the big change that, you know, you teach, you teach kids not to gender strangers and suddenly the world stops being, um, so very confrontational about about what it perceives people's genders to be yeah I think that's a that's a huge piece of it and I think um I've been researching and really into gender creative parenting of like raising kids without a gender 
um, yes. until they're able to tell you what their gender is. Um, totally. And like, they, you know, it's and when I bring that up in training spaces, people are like, well, aren't you just pushing transness on them? I'm like, no, 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 no. It's no. when I'm not pushing nothing. We, we're, we're pushing nothing we're <laughs> yeah. pushing, no, and everything. We're giving them yes. the options. Like why limit this kiddo to one or the other in a, in a binary world? Why can't we present them with all of the options without the shame behind any of the, of it and absolutely let them tell us who they are. Um <laughs> I have a friend who who is doing that. I have a friend who is raising a child like that. And this kid uh, grew up at, for most of most of uh, their life being like, I identify as this way. And just because they had that choice and they had the ability. And then in the last, I think the last couple of months was like, you know what? I'm going to try the other binary side out. And it's like, cool. Let me know how it sticks. <laughs> we'll check in about it and see how you're feeling. Like, that's great. And you know, whether that kid grows up to be trans or cis or whatever they figure out, that kid is going to be so much more chill about other people's genders. And that's like the big thing is having the space, the same, the same friend, the same, same call, not the same friend who's raising the kid, the same friend who called me and was like, I have questions, mm. um, was talking about like, oh, don't, don't you think that a lot more kids are idea, IDing is a lot more genders these days. And I was like, yes. And uh, will all of them stick? Who knows? I have no idea. But all of those kids trying out all of those genders, wherever they land, are just going to be more chill people at the end of it. And they're going to, the people that they interact with We'll have an easier time interacting with them based on that thinking and that lived experience. And like, I don't know, that feels better to me personally. Yeah. Well, I think it's, um, I love that there are more kiddos and young people and adults, you know, identifying in a gender that they weren't forced on, forced upon at birth because it's showing to me, it's showing that society is slowly moving forward in this like new way of accepting folks. Um, and also like, it's been this way forever. We're just now in a place where it's, we're talking about it. So there is that level of understanding, you know, depending on where you are in the world, but, um, like this isn't something that, you know, depending on safety, like that you have to keep to yourself. And so I think just as these conversations keep happening and we keep educating more and more people, it's not that there are more LGBTQ people all of a sudden, it's just that people feel safe to talk about it. And part of that is one of the one of the sort of one of the biggest things that that society and I don't just mean our bad society. I mean, every society has done has been to try to make us seem new so that every generation we seem new. And you look at like you look at the work of Magnus Hirschfeld in in Germany, who, you know, that the famous picture of Nazis burning books like they're burning the work of Magnus Hirschfeld, Mm -hmm. who is living with transgender people and and it's so important for the sort of the bigoted powers that be to make us seem new. So they can, they can say every time like, Oh, you're, you're brainwashing the kids. The kids are this, whatever, this is new. This is, you know, when I, when I was growing up, there weren't trans people and it's like, no, there were, there were trans people, but the difference is right now. And part of this is the internet and social media. It is so much harder to keep us a secret. It's harder to push us under the rug and, and keep us out of the public eye because we're out here and and we're talking and we're connecting with each other. And so, you know, social media is terrible for a lot of reasons, but one of the things that it's good about is that it is, it has done a lot of work in terms of us not 
uh, being a secret anymore. And, and, you know, sure, they're, they're using that to make us seem new, but I think it'll be harder to make us seem new in the next generation and the generation after that. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a good point. Um, I want to like shift just like slightly to some of the other pieces, same, 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 but just, um, um, this idea of like a low level depression that was lifted once you like came into yourself. Um, I think that's a pretty common thing that I, which I would have loved to have known because I, I also, (laughs) right. So it's not to diminish your experience, but to highlight that people aren't alone. Like that is a real, um, effect of when you aren't living authentically there is that like in the background uh, like for me it was depression anxiety I had a drinking problem um like I just quit drinking in June and like congratulations thank you um and I want to talk to you eight eight to nine years that's great awesome um thank you yeah so yeah so it's just it's um so what have you what have you found um feels like are you able to kind of describe what feels different from like before like kind of the before and after of and what it feels like now that that's been lifted I feel like it it's sort of it feels like a fog it feels like a fog when you're in it and it's so easy and it's interesting it's so easy to just be like well this is depression and I know what that feels like and I know what that is because I've always had it and I, I, I know what it means to exist in that and I think that a lot of people learn coping mechanisms and different ways to deal with that, which like for the most part, good. I mean, I can't say for the most part, but in general, we survive. We are a, we are a creature that survives, whatever that means. And I think that it's, it's the sort of depression where, you know, you're not really paying attention and you look out the window and it's like, Oh, the sun's coming up. I guess I, was awake for this whole time because I was just sort of like fixated on a thing or I was thinking or I couldn't get to sleep because I'm, I'm in my thoughts or I'm sort of feeling uncomfortable. Like you're wearing clothes that are just slightly the wrong size or a pair of boots that aren't worn in or whatever. And I think it's, it's really dangerous because I feel like it's the sort of, it's the sort of depression that's fine until it isn't, you know, it's the sort of depression that you can live through and you can just sort of exist in. And you're like, all right, well, this is not optimal, but what is optimal? (laughs) And when have I ever experienced optimal? Like you just keep chugging along. Um, And I think post that being out of that being out is, I think it's easier to assess everything. I think it's easier to assess the relationships that I have. I think it's easier to assess the interactions that I have in terms of like, I don't have to question like, all right, did I take that personally because I'm feeling off and I have been feeling off or did I take that personally because someone said something that I should take personally, or am I feeling like I failed at the thing I set out to do today because whatever I did, I was going to feel sort of like a failure or because I actually missed the mark and I need to try again the next day or whatever. I think, I think uh, post that fog lifting, post that sort of uh, gender fog lifting, I think I just feel like I have more space and that's more space to 
more space to mess up and be okay messing up, which I think is a really important sort of human experience, more space to just sort of breathe, breathe feels like the right word. I get, a, mm-hmm. I get asthma when I'm around too many cats. It's one of the reasons I always get angry when people are like, Oh, you don't like cats. And it's like, yeah, some people are shitty about not liking cats, but some of us can't breathe around cats. And I think that's fair. I think, yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, I've met a lot of nice cats and I do like cats now um, because it would be impossible to date in a uh, contemporary society as a queer person if you didn't like cats but at the same time <laughs> i've at the same time i feel like you know um this went on a cat rant the point is uh i i've had a lot of asthma stuff from being around too many cats being around one cat too much and you if you're stuck in the situation you just get used to existing on lower and lower lung capacity you're breathing because you can steer not dead you're still breathing and you're still like you're wheezing and you get winded more easily because there's a foreign element that's like the cat dander or whatever stopping you from breathing well but you can breathe just not well and that's what it feels like and the sort of the coming out of it feels like when you get outside of that house with cats and you're outside in the fresh air and you're like, Oh, this is what it's, this is what breathing was like before I had forgotten because I was stuck in this, you know, uh, cats. Cats. <laughs> um, it's such a good, <laughs> it's such a good metaphor um, for that, for, for what I, thank you. That's what I was looking for. Um, and I think too, that the metaphor of like the clothes slightly the wrong size or boots not worn in the yeah. way when I, that's so um, also like, it's just like something's off and it's like uncomfortable, yeah. but like, what is it? And I used to think about before having top surgery that my chest was like a perpetual dress that I just couldn't yeah. take off. And it's like, it's just so okay. not me. And this is so yeah. uncomfortable. Um and I, I, I have, you know, spent a lot of time reflecting on um, kind of like my journey and just what things felt like. And there was that, this like underlying, just like depression and anxiety of, yeah. and then, and now that I'm in, even so now that I'm on T, which is just so recent still, yeah. um, just I, I, what am I trying to say? Like, it's so affirming. I didn't know that I was missing in some cases, in some places I could know, I knew very clearly that I was missing affirmation. Sure. Yeah. Um, But then there are these new things that are happening to my body, like um, that. I'm just like, Oh, like this is so much more affirming than yeah. it had been or like the the dropping of my voice or like starting totally. to grow little whiskers or like whatever it might yeah. be the, the my body shape is changing totally. um and it's like I, I just i so zoom has this like filter thing where you can put you can try facial hair okay, and so cool. um i like found this i'll show you um okay. and then <laughs> i'll leave it on for the rest and then that can be in our screenshot um right, but yeah. like it just like is so affirming to me <laughs> like yeah, like where totally. this and um but when i would think about i would like spend hours thinking about do i want to go on testosterone is this something yeah. i want is this something i need um 
And one of the things that scared me the most was growing facial hair. Okay. And it's just, it just felt like such a big departure from how I had been for the first 36 years of my life that like, that felt so big and hard and scary. Like even for top surgery, even though that was like major, like if you're not paying attention, you don't notice that I had it. Like, you know, it's, I notice, (laughs) but like, um, but anyways, I digress. But when I, when I first tried this filter on, I learned about it in my book group. Um, I was like, I was literally experiencing gender euphoria. I was like, holy shit. The one, one of the things that was scaring me the most about this is now like the most affirming. Yeah. And it's wild. Like what, when we, it's like what you were saying, like when you are actively working on yourself and when you're actively creating space, like what other kinds of what else can you discover about yourself and like what things space that are do you have new and completely surprising and like things yeah. you, you couldn't couldn't have even seen coming exactly absolutely this, this goatee that i'm having now is one yeah. of those things which is amazing it's a, yeah i love it um and so and the other part of that for me was like was drinking and yeah um like watching myself with the patterns of like, so like when I came into my non, my genderqueer trans identity, my drinking like went way down and I was like, I can manage life now because I've like found my word. I found my place. Totally. And then I saw it creeping back up again. And I was like, I have to pay attention to this because this is a pattern. What is it that I'm trying to numb and that I'm trying to drown? And it was the fact of going on tea. So, um, I, I quit alcohol and then a month later I started tea. So I, like, it's hard for me to kind of break apart what, how. Sure. It's hard to measure in a scientific way. Sure. Yeah. But, um, but now that I don't have that crutch and yeah. I'm like in this space now where I feel the most affirmed that I've ever felt, like yeah. I'm just able to relax and breathe and sit still that I haven't been able to do ever yeah and absolutely. it's wild <laughs> it's why it's wild sort of it's wild experiencing that right it's wild sort of finding out that something was possible that you never really you didn't even it's not even it's not even that you saw something you know it's not this is not watching uh you know mtv cribs and being like i'll never have a house like that it's not even it's not something that you even thought existed or even thought to think might exist and i think that's sort of i think that's what i'm talking about in terms of the more the more visible we are not just in media because you know who knows who knows how visible we'll be in media when netflix decides to stop being like we like trans people you know what i mean (laughs) as when that who knows how visible we'll be at any given point in the future but the more visible we we are just sort of socially to each other and 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 to younger people and and the more sort of the the fact that we just exist and people can see us exist someone could listen to this and listen to you talk about that feeling and think like okay well is there something like that for me can i project into something and it might not look like yours it'll be theirs and whatever their thing is but this idea this idea that a better existence is or not a better existence sounds weird. Uh, the idea that a, a physical existence 
that we haven't even given ourselves the space to consider existing is out there is I think so powerful and something people don't don't give themselves the space to even conceive of. Yeah, I think totally. And I think this, this last year in pandemic world has given people a lot of time and space to oh, yeah. sit and quiet and not interact and slow down and start to like reassess which is, I'm it's, happy for people. I'm happy for me that, I mean, you know, yeah. everything's shitty, but the silver yes. lining is that time and space. It is funny that you say that just because like, uh, I've had multiple people reach out to me with literally exactly like, hey, so it's, you know, it's the pandemic and I've had some time to think and I started thinking about gender and let's talk about it. It's like, yeah, good. Good, but it's like literally yes literally being stuck at home has given some people the space to be like hmm okay well i guess this is worth thinking about now and it's like it always was but i'm glad you got there yeah yeah um so you i, I want to switch gears because i know sure. that you are you're a comedian and you do you have done stand-up um and so i'd love to hear so you had mentioned that you were in a comedy special that was frustrating with gender stuff. Yes. And I want to hear about that and wonder if that played a like a part in your decision to transition away from stand up. Just curious of like that your whole like journey in that way. Um I was already sort of on on the outs with stand up. And it's you know, I'm still doing it in Zoom, which like isn't actually it, but we're all pretending and that's fine. Um I'm still you know, I'm still doing it. And I we know when the when when it's safe to go out in the world again, I don't know if you know, I probably won't turn down bookings, but I don't know how much I'll be actively pursuing them. So I, I had already sort of been on the way out. And a lot of that has to do with like, you know, the serial predators that are make up the entire industry. And, mm-hmm. you know, every time Bill Burr drops a special, having to hear like, this guy's brilliant. It's like, he hates trans people. And they're like, no, see, it's, that doesn't matter, blah, 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 or Dave Chappelle or any of these people yeah. who don't who don't like us and are very clear about that and having to hear how about they're geniuses and they're the best at, they're the best at this thing. And I think there's this idea like, okay, if that person is the best at this thing, I don't really like this thing then, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, and it's it's funny because, you know, there's nothing there is no feeling for me that approaches being on stage telling jokes in the moment. Nothing I've discovered at the very least in terms of things that I like to do. Um, I hate comedy clubs. I hate dealing with comedians. I hate the industry. I hate everything about it. And I don't want to, that's sort of what I don't want to participate in anymore. The actual telling of jokes is great. And I have fun. It's I've never found anything that I like to do as much, but you know, therein lies the rub, right? Uh, So I'd been sort of, on my way out of the sort of, uh, you know, this idea of chasing this dream of being a famous comedian or whatever. Um, and I was already sort of there and I get a call from someone I had talked to year, like literally years ago. And I was like, Hey, we're filming this special and it's going to be three gay male comedians doing a half hour each is that something you'd be interested in and i was like well you have to understand that i'm not male and we have to like if if you're okay with two gay and one non-binary person sure let's do it um and 
the person was like, uh, yeah, sure. That makes sense. And I was like, cool. Cause you're still doing like, it's still new and it's still like, no one has seen this and it's still like a brand new thing. It's a very queer special, whatever. And just like, you know, from, from behind the scene, the scenes, as we were going, um, the other comics working with great about, you know, gender stuff, but just, you know, people on the sort of, on the other end, the sort of behind the scenes stuff, we're just, you know, not, um, great about it. Uh, in terms of respecting identities and stuff like that and you know it was just it was a lot it was a lot to sort of sit through and it was a lot to deal with and you know it was it was a lot and it's hard when it's like all right you're dealing with all this bullshit now get out on stage and be very funny for a half an hour um so yeah i mean there was a lot of like you know it was just a it was a it was a heavy experience. It was uh, ups and downs and highs and lows. And there were parts that felt great. And there were parts that were frustrating and, and, you know, not, not amazing to deal with. And I think, I think that's part of it. I don't, I don't think that that is sort of the rationale in terms of me trying to reinvent a career or figure out like where I want to be. That's different from stand up now, because I think I was already going in that direction. Um, but I think it is, you know, there's something to like, all right, well, I've recorded a half an hour and people can watch it on streaming services and stuff now. Cool. I did it. I did that part. I did that thing. And I almost feel it almost makes it easier to say, okay, what's next? Like, what is the next direction that I'm, that I'm going in? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, well, for, I'm sorry that it wasn't as affirming in the background. Does it, as it could have been, I think what, what I have found is that, when people people lump lots of people like to lump lgbtq or queerness as yeah. the same thing yes and don't understand or care to understand or learn about the nuances totally and so it's like probably in this producer's head i'm making this up but i would guess like you know whatever it's the same and like it doesn't matter Ex- and like exactly. just like like when the respect just goes out the door and then mm-hmm. but then what happens is is that all of the behind the scenes staff, like the producers and the runners and the techs, I don't know the names, um, aren't privy to the fact that, you know, there might be people who use different pronouns or their identities aren't being um, like, you know what I mean? And so totally, I was in a, I was receiving this award for, it was an LGBTQ thing. And um, so I went in with kind of like guards down because I was like, well, this is, Oh, an award show meant for LGBTQ people. <laughs> like we are, yeah. we are honoring people's work and yeah. educating the community. And then I was misgendered like seven thousand times. Amazing, you and love to see it. Yeah, I love it. And it just was like so disheartening. Of like, yeah, but this totally. is, but this is meant for. This is supposed to feel like our space. Yeah, and, and so think... yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, no, please, please. And I think that's part of it. And you know, I, the the thing that I was saying, you know, it's not. That's not. You know. It's not, first of all, I'm very sorry that that happened. Uh, I think that, you know, and it's when I, you know, when I talk about like behind the scenes stuff, it's not everyone behind the scenes. Right. Production. Right. It was only, it was a handful of people that were frustrating and unpleasant to, 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 to deal with. And I think that's part of it. And this sort of, this gets to a, a bigger thing that I've thought about sort of and talked about a lot. And that's, we can't just jump into communities that exist and expect it to be a good fit because that's never going to be a good fit. Um, you know, I'm part of a competitive Pokemon thing, but I don't 
see that as my social circle. I'm part of pro wrestling Twitter, but that's not, you know, that's not my group of friends. I have some, I have some friends who are stand up comics. I have some friends who are improv people. I have some friends who are from pro wrestling Twitter. I have some friends from various things. And a, a lot of times in the past, I've, tr- I've seen a group that's felt like my group. And I thought, well, this is my group. I'm going to fit in here because we're united by this thing. And I think that's, it has never turned out in the way that I wanted it to turn out because it's not a reasonable expectation. And I think that's something, you know, it's, it's a slap in the face when you learn it. And that first sort of experience where you're like, Oh, I thought this was like my crew or my group, but it's not because this is just a group of people. And to, when you realize like, your crew or your group or whatever is are those are the people you build that you build that person by person and i think when we start when we think about you know words like family right i i believe i'm a strong believer in found family and that's it i know people with biological family blood related family that are good and work and i'm happy for them i don't have that and i've had to sort of build my concept of family um person by person over time Mm-hmm. And I think that's sort of, that's how communities work in a larger sense, right? And that's, you know, we're never just going to drop right into something and be like, cool, well, this is, I found it. I found, the, I found the group, you know, there's, I've joined a handful of like, here's a Asian American gender interesting non-binary Facebook group. And you'd say, okay, well, surely this, right? Surely this will be the one. And then someone in there is like, actually, some cops are good. And it's like, oh, wow, this wasn't the one either, huh? Like, this was also not the one. And I, But I think that's just the, the, the case with any group. And that's not to say, like, now I leave the group. That's to say, oh, well, now I adjust what I want from this group. And I'm going to find people in this thing. I'm going to take some people from wrestling Twitter and I'm going to take some people from Pokemon Twitter and I'm going to take some people from stand up and so on. And this is my group. And it's not unified by anything really, other than these are people that I care about who care about me. Yeah. I think the idea of adjusting expectations is really important. Um, and I think too, um, I'm kind of like processing what you're saying. And I yeah. think um, I, I really hear like, not every group is for every person. Um, but I, but I would imagine that even if it's not a group that like you and I are like, well, I thought this like queer Jewish group was going to be my place. And let's like, it's certainly not, uh, cause we have very different views on Israel or like whatever it might be. Um, but I feel like there's like a baseline though of like, regardless of whether or not we agree on Israeli politics, um, I still want you to respect my pronouns. And so, oh, absolutely. you know what I mean? Like, absolutely. So I, I, so it's not that I, ex- for me, and maybe I'm misunderstanding you. It's like, not that I expect to, that I'm going to get along with every person in every group always. Totally, totally. But like, I want my name and my pronouns to be respected. I want my de- identity to be respected regardless of whatever group I'm in. I think, I think I absolutely agree. I don't disagree with that at all. I think what I'm, I'm sort of, I guess where I'm coming from it is I think it's risky when you have people like us who have felt sort of on the outskirts in the margins, in the sort of the liminal space outside of society. Um, At least for me, I I can't speak for anyone else's experience, but in, in terms of me, I think when I find a group that's like queer Asian group, I think, okay, whew, this is, this is the one, like, this is Mm going to be it. And I think that it lets, 
it gives us a point to let our guard down a little bit yeah. as opposed to coming into something and realizing like, I still have to have my guard up because I don't actually know any of these people. And I'm going to have to advocate for having my uh, pronouns respected. I'm going to have to advocate for having my identity respected. And I'm going to have to advocate for other stuff. Like, you know, all cops are bad stuff. Th- these, <laughs> right. these sorts of things, things that matter to me, you know, things that matter to me personally or things that matter to me in terms of social justice construct. So I, I'm not at all saying like, Oh, you know, no group's going to be perfect, whatever. What I'm saying is I, I think it's it's easier for people like us to like come into something like that, like you were saying with your guard down, mm, because you yes. feel like, mm-hmm. oh, this is going to be my space. This is going to be the group. And this is the thing that I'm going to fit into. And I think instead having like a slight, you know, I, I have to come into things with a, a more cautious approach and say, okay, I don't know what this is going to be like. I don't know who these people are. Totally. Um, the if If this group ends up being important to me, I'm going to have to... I might have to step up and be loud about changes in this group and changes about, you know, what is acceptable. And I, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to do that. I, this is, I had a, I had an experience last year with a, there's like a small, a small competitive Pokemon league, just a small group that I met them at MAGFest, the nerd convention for nerds. Um, I met them at MAGFest and I was like, great group, really excited, happy to be here. And there were a lot of queer people in the group. And I was like, great, queer Pokemon gamer, whatever stuff. This is great. Perfect. And then a couple of times my pronouns weren't being respected by people who were, and nothing was happening about it. And I would say something, but nothing would happen about it. And I realized like, and I made a big statement and I was like, Hey, this has to change. This is a thing. I, I, I demand respect basically. <laughs> like yeah. I, I, if I'm going to be a part of this community, either I want the community to acknowledge that my, not just mine, but anyone's pronouns need to be respected or this is not the community for me. And I ended up leaving the group because just the, the response to it was very like, not the kind of like, Oh, we don't agree with you, but the very kind of like, well, what do we do though? You know, that's sort of like, we're not going to take action, but like we definitely, you know, hearts, thoughts and prayers type stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was like, okay, this is not my group for me. And I, and I left and I, that's, that's sort of more what I mean. So, it, mm-hmm. you know, it's not to say low expectations and it'll always be bad. It is to say that, you know, we're going to have to fight for some of this stuff. Uh, and we knew that coming into it yeah. <laughs> and that was always going to be the case <laughs> and some, sometimes it'll be worth it and sometimes it won't and I think I think that's sort of where it comes down to like sometimes it'll be worth it to stand up and say no I want this thing to be better I want this group to be better I'm a member of this community and I'm advocating for my stuff and sometimes you say you know what this community is is not as it stands this group is not the one that I'm going to be in and I'm going to either build something of my own or, or find a different one totally it's a uh... It's a, I feel like it's such a game of, not really a game, but like a evaluation process of like, do I want to, like, how much do I care about this group for me to advocate, for me to educate, or is it just like, I don't need this right now. (laughs) And it's funny because I think that's sort of how I feel about stand-up. I think for a while I had this idea of like, all right, well, I'm going to be queer, trans, Asian American comedian and me existing in this community in this industry is going to make that's the change that I'm going to demand and that's the change that I want to be and I think for me there's a point where you know for me I, I don't know that the changes that I want are doable in a lifetime and I don't know that that's I don't know that's the fight that I want to do maybe mm-hmm. there's there's other things I want to do with my life and I think it's the same sort of thinking I think it's the same sort of like decision making 
that goes into, you know, a social circle or like this weird fake job that I've been doing for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I think, I wonder if this is part of it too. I'm just, as you're saying that I'm thinking like now that I've gotten rid of that white noise and I'm yeah. like able to be with myself, I care so much more about myself. Yeah. Like absolutely. I, I want to like, do make the best of it and it's like where where am i going to put my energy and what is yeah. my fight what is where do i want to what is where what's my place absolutely yeah. absolutely i think it's there's clarity there's clarity um and that doesn't mean clarity in knowing exactly what the answer is but it means clarity in saying like we have so little time and where do i want to spend my time and i think i i absolutely see that yeah yeah absolutely um i think this is a perfect uh segue into our last section okay. uh which i don't want to do i'm loving this conversation but want to be mindful <laughs> of time um sure. so this is a lightning round and as okay. it was before all the questions were either or questions and i got gently called in many times that was too binary so these are okay. open-ended <laughs> all right on <lightning> questions <laughs> sure so if you could name your crayon what would you name it oh <sighs> My crayon. Um, uh, 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 this is so hard. <laughs> I hadn't even considered. Uh, 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 I want to say like I want to say one that's already it's probably already exists. Though. I was thinking that's of like okay. a neon, like a neon pink. That's a good color for me. I like that color. I love that color, and that's perfect. There are no wrong answers in the lightning round. Um, <laughs> fa- favorite time of day. Oh, uh, favorite time of day. I like. I like like an hour or two after sunset. That's a, that's, I like that a lot in terms of just like, I feel like I get my best work done. Nice. Uh, favorite current queer media representation. So I've been thinking a lot. I've been thinking a lot about this just sort of in general. I'm a, I adore the show pose. I love everyone in the show pose uh, very much. I've heard some good criticisms in terms of it's a very, it's a show that exists entirely in capitalism. And I think that's true. And I have to reconsider everything, but mm-hmm. I love that show. I also, there's a show called the magicians that um, season one is a little bit rocky in terms of falling into some sort of like shitty, harmful tropes. But as the show sort of grows away from the book source material, um, it ends up doing some cool stuff. My favorite character in it is a character named uh, Elliot played by Hale Appleman, just tremendous, tremendous talent, queer character, queer actor, I believe I'd be very surprised if not. Um, I love the show also just because it casts trans people without like making a thing out of it. Mm. It's like this character is just a, like, Oh, this character is trans. And maybe you know that maybe you don't, they, it's not like a fixation. No one's like, Oh wow. Whatever. It's just like, Oh yeah. The fairy queen is played by a trans woman. And that's just how it is. And it's not like, there isn't like a story explanation for it. It's, it's rad. That is, that sounds rad. I'll check it out. Um, everyone should check it out. Um, a song that makes your heart soar. So uh, there's my go-to song for just like, we're just going to listen to stuff and like whatever is Maxwell murder by rancid. I'm a Bay area kid originally. And the entire outcome, the wolves album, absolutely perfect, perfect ska punk, whatever album um there's a band that i want to bring up uh called psychic tv which if you haven't if you don't know anything about psychic tv absolutely look at uh there's a the singer genesis uh p orage uh is a person who there have been some allegations of abuse on this person so like i'm not saying this is a good person um a really interesting person historically someone who um 
met with a person with a partner and then they both started to medically transition to look like each other and they called it the pandrogyny project and they started using we our pronouns and just like really interesting gender stuff the music is very good um uh, uh just like arcadia is the name of the song if, for a first song to listen to from psychic tv um but also genesis is just an interesting person obviously some of the allegations you know i'm more inclined to believe most allegations against famous people just because it seems to be the case that they actually did it most of the time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, not, not making a recommendation on the character of this person, but in terms of interesting uh, queer and trans people from history, definitely uh, worth digging into. Nice. Thank you. Um, yeah. Favorite way to travel. I, I, so the last 10 years of doing stand up. I said, I love the being on stage. The other thing that I love is I like touring in my car. I like driving from town to town. There's something really like, I don't know. It feels genuine. It feels real. It makes you feel like you exist. You're existing in sort of like a mythical or fantastical time period, like some sort of traveling, traveling, you know, bard or performer or whatever, going from town to town in your car it feels right. And I miss touring with people. I miss getting in my car with like another comic who I don't hate. And you, you know, you spend six hours in the car together and you, it's just weird and it's good. And you get there a little early maybe, and you see a museum and then you get on stage and you do that and you experience local food and weird local fast food chains. Uh, I miss touring in my car. So mm. driving out of my car, favorite movie. Yeah. That sounds, uh, I miss that. <laughs> yeah. um, favorite quote. Favorite quote. Oof, that's hard. That's a hard one. Um, mm. hmm. I don't have a favorite quote right off the top of my head. Let's see. Oh, uh, uh, Men in Black. In Men in Black, Tommy Lee Jones' character uh, talks, says that aliens have existed, and Will Smith says, no, people would know. People are smart. And Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones says, a person is smart. People are something like stupid, panicky animals, and basically this idea that like society, you can't trust society to be smart, regardless of how smart any individual people are. I don't remember the quote off the top of my head, but it's a good quote and it's a good line in a movie that I, I feel like holds up. Does <laughs> Men in Black hold up? I haven't seen it in a minute. I've never seen it ever. So, all right. Well, I like uh, watch it it's, a, fresh eyes. it's <laughs> a fun sci fi movie uh, starring Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. All right. Last one. Had to keep it. It's binary bagels or donuts? Bagels. Easy. Nice. That's the right Savory answer. over sweet every time. Savory <laughs> over sweet every time. There's some good donuts, don't get me wrong, but bagels, yeah. you get like a, you get a everything bagel with uh, either with a garlic spread or like an egg bagel with a pimento spread. Mm. Done and done. Sounds amazing. I'm into, I, you know, I mentioned I'm in Texas and so there are no good bagels. So yes. I will wait till I'm back in New York City <laughs> for the for the bagels. Um, Dash, this was has been such a, a lovely, insightful conversation. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and time with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a, a really, really nice to talk to you. Really nice um, talking about all this stuff. I feel like these are the sort of conversations uh, that I 
I, I feel like are happening more often now and I'm glad and I think it's good. Yeah, me too. Well, Dash, thank you for coming out. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you for coming out. Hey everyone, it's your host, Dubs Weinblatt. Thank you so much for listening with an open heart and an open mind. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please do so so you don't miss an episode. And don't forget to rate and review us. It really helps. And we want to hear from you. We want to know your coming out story. Head on over to Thank You For Coming Out's Instagram page, at Thank You For Coming Out, and click the link in our bio. There's a form there where you can submit your coming out story, either anonymously or with your name. And you can have the chance to hear your story read out on the Thank You For Coming Out podcast. We're so happy that you're part of our community, and we want you to know that your story matters. Thank you for coming out.